You guys know supporting local business is in our blood, and we're excited to tell you about the Denver Rubber Company. Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects all the way since 1972. You know the snow is here, and Denver Rubber Company is your go-to when it comes to anything snow plows. DRC can cut to length and slot mounting to meet your exact specifications. They're amazing when it comes to anything snowplows or really anything rubber that you may need. They're a family-owned business with loyalty only to the people just like us here at DNVR. So be sure to call today for any of your snowplow needs, custom gaskets, hoses, etc. at 1-800-259-0010 or you can visit them at drcfirst.com slash DNVR. to the DNVR Broncos podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Before we jump into the show, we got to tell you about a sweet deal that Strava Craft Coffee has for DNVR listener. It's CBD-infused coffee. Not only tastes incredible, but it can relieve your everyday aches and pains. As Strava says, drink deeply, live fully, and use that code DNVR20 to receive 20% off your order whenever you decide to get in on the Strava craze. And speaking of getting in on the craze, I think it's time for just about anyone to get in on the Drew Locke craze because the kid is now 3-1 and one in his four starts. And just to put that into perspective, 3-1 and one is as good as any four-game stretch the Denver Broncos have had since my man Trevor Simeon's yes. first four games. Let's go. Trevor Simeon did win his first four starts, which shows you that. So did Kyle Orton. Yes, he did. He started. He won his first six. So this yeah. is the first time that the Broncos have won three of four since the Super Bowl, since N- tied to the Super Bowl. Uh, no. no, last year. Last year when they went on that three-game win streak oh, and they starting three. Yes, mm-hmm. right. Okay. This, but but gotcha. Drew Locke is also the first ever Broncos rookie to win three of his first four, um, and a four-and-one stretch would once again be as good as anything since Trevor Simeon started <laughs> four and one. But I mean, that was a long time ago. Like it feels like it, it it's all part of this era, mm-hmm. but that was a long time ago. They were coming off a Super Bowl that like, they were riding a Super Bowl wave at that moment. Drew Locke is fighting the opposite effect, which is he's digging them out from, you know, from the, the, the depths he's making them believe taking them exactly from the depths and showing them the light and guys it would be huge for drew and Locke to finish the season four and one that would be a pace better than a 12 and four record that would be huge especially if you get to knock the raiders out of the playoffs if they're fighting for that next year right or, or next week right now they are fighting for that but as we were talking about before the pod they may know that they're out of the playoffs before next week's game starts but guys Let's say the Broncos do lose next week. It'd be a bummer. No one in Broncos country would like ending the season on that. But Drew Locke would still have a winning record on a team that has been a losing team 
two of the past three years, well, I guess three years now, including this one, he would have a winning record. He has already guaranteed himself a winning record. The worst he can do is 3-2 and two on a team that was bad before he took over. Well, you know how I hate the QB wins stat, if it is a stat. Everyone should hate that stat. But, but. I'll, this is what I lean on with Drew Locke and where I'm encouraged, is that you just take a look at the offensive production per game with these quarterbacks. 15.6 offensive points per game with Joe Flacco. 16.7 with Brandon Allen. 21.0 with Drew Locke. And oh, by the way, 25% of that was in a snowstorm. So when the conditions are benign, the Broncos have put up 23, 31, because it's offensive points. We don't count Cream Jackson's touchdown in Houston. So 54 plus what they did today. That's 81. That's a robust 27 points per game when the conditions aren't snow-strangled. And think back of how, for over a year, we've been talking about how this team couldn't get past 24 points to save its life. And now they're getting to that threshold and beyond with regularity. It's a small sample size but it's more than this team has done in quite some time. They scored a sneaky 27, a yep. quiet 27. <laughs> yeah. How is that possible in the world that we live in where the Broncos couldn't sniff 25 points for over a year, for over 16 games? They didn't get near 25. Well, they didn't cross 25 points. And somehow today they went out there and just had a workmanlike 27. Yep. Yep, it, 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 no one really did fantastic. Yes, Philip Lindsay got over 100 yards, but in in this day, 100-yard rushers aren't like – it's not like a magnificent – it's not breaking it's news when a really guy gets – Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it, it's a good game, but it would have been a fantastic game going over 200 or Drew Locke throwing for three or four touchdowns or 300 yards. No, it was just an overall solid game, and it was 27 points. It was Drew Locke game manager. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked about being the gunslinger this week, but Vic Fangio – not long before Drew Locke talked about the gunslinger stuff, basically detail what he wanted to see from Drew Locke, and it was protecting the football and making good decisions and being accurate. All that was the checklist of the game manager. There's nothing wrong with being a game manager when it works to get the job done. This game was about getting the job done with an offensive line that was patchwork at best. <laughs> It's been patchwork. I mean, this is a nice way to put it. This is uh, like scotch tape, not even a real patch. It's not even duct tape. (laughs) Yeah, no, just just the stuff that you use to wrap presents. Yeah, this is yeah, and make sure brace is uh, is stronger than that. Probably, yeah. But Patrick Morris coming in for Dalton Reisner in the second half. Who? Patrick Morris, yeah. number fifty, didn't embarrass Jake himself. Rogers. Who? Exactly, yeah. and, and, and that's good because you didn't get to, you didn't have to find out who their name. All of a sudden, you know, everyone knew number sixty-eight, Elijah Wilkinson, because he was struggling with penalties today. Jake Rogers goes out there and plays a clean game. The one thing about Rogers that I feel like I have to get off my chest just... is that <laughs> how often in our various forums did we talk about how? Garrett Bowles needs to have a possession or two off when it's getting too much for him to just take him out. How bad could Jake Rogers be to where you had to keep sending Garrett Bowles out there when he was clearly in the soup mentally at times earlier this season? Well, we saw that Jake Rogers, perfectly fine. 
Nothing world-beating, no but perfectly sacks, fine. No you, holds. You could have put him out there in place of Garrett Bowles for a possession or two and let Bowles get some teaching from Mike Munchak on the f- – on the sideline and then go back in the game. So I think Jake Rogers yeah. is now the best Rogers in the NFL. Oh my God. Easy. <laughs> easy. What about Jaquiz Rogers? Uh, still may- in the league? Yeah. Maybe he'd be the second, even if he's not in the league. And then he had a brother. I forget his name. Um, fuck Jeff Rogers, former Broncos special teams coach. All of them go above that other Rogers. Oh, that's true. <laughs> Stop. Um, hey, Jeff Rogers was here for Trinity holiday though. Here's what I don't want to lose sight of. This was a average game for Drew Locke. Is that what you would call it? In terms of like, how was it great? No. Yeah. Workmanlike. It was certainly good enough to get the job done. Yep. I don't know exactly where it should fall on the label. But this is what I don't want to lose sight of. Because it's easy to lose sight of this on game day a week later. What did we say last week? Drew Locke. This game suddenly became very important. Mm-hmm. Because Drew Locke if he failed in this game, would have been desperate to do well next week. All of the pressure was on him for next week. Right. He went out there today and got it done. And and even more than that, he was very efficient. Uh, He finishes the day with a line of 25 of 33. That's 75% completions, 192 yards, and a touchdown. It's nothing that – It's a little bit higher than that, isn't it? Or is it – 75.8. It's, so it's 76. A, it's actually technically 75, 75, 75, 75. Oh, 75.75. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's Mace's oh, favorite. Oh, my goodness. That's your favorite stat line, Mace. 25 out of 33. It's like he knew. 99.6 passer rating. Uh, not great in terms of yards per attempt. Also, not sacked. Again, goes back to the patchwork offensive line holding up very well. And also, Drew Locke being able to escape when pressure was there. He made a lot of good decisions back there in the pocket when he got out, got outside of the pocket as well. But there was a chance that we could have left this game worried. There was a chance we could have left this game saying, man, that first two-game start was fantastic, and now there's two bad ones in a row. And as I wrote after last week's game, that game did not matter unless. And the unless was unless Drew goes out and lays an egg again mm-hmm. the next week. Well, it's gone. Yep. Kansas City officially doesn't exist. Mace even did it. He said if you take out the game where he went into a blizzard, they're averaging, what, 25? 27 points offensive points per game. 27 points a game. So now it's gone. We, it's, it's been erased, as it should be, because it was the worst possible conditions for a rookie quarterback. Now he has a chance to if, – if he finishes on a meh note, we still say, ah, but there was, those three really, there was those three games that you can really hang your hat on. He finishes three and two over the five-game pace. He's safe now. Like, in my opinion, there is absolutely positively no doubt that he will be the starter week one next year. And how, how can anyone, especially John Elway, not feel that way? I mean, th- this was a guy that they did take a risk in the second round, but this wasn't a sixth-round, seventh-round flyer guy that you hope turns into the backup. They hoped he was going to be the guy. He has by far shown in, in these four games that he's the guy. So now you-, you-, you wanted to buy in, and now you can buy in. Now with the cost-controlled quarterback, that means you can go shopping elsewhere. I still think if Drew Locke is the guy in week one that you need to upgrade the backup spot. Sure, yeah. and that's, and that's, that's, not, that's not a big deal. But Mace, 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 It Mace. could be a big it deal. It could be a big Wait, deal. It could be not, the biggest deal Mace, of all. But Mace, the, big, the bigger <laughs> deal is you just said if he's the guy week one. 
Are you not in on this Drew Locke train yet? I have I said, give me five games. No, I'm no, away. Hey, hold on. Okay, no. okay. Here's the thing. You don't have to say he's like the franchise quarterback or any of that. But if you're betting right now, is Drew Locke the starter of week one? Yes, if I'm betting, I'm betting on that. Do but you want him to be the starter in week one of next year? You're John Elway. You get to make the decision. I like the notion of a cost-controlled quarterback. I'm still ba- backstopping him with a, a veteran that can go out and win some games. Uh, and I'm also drafting a quarterback from round three on just to have another bullet in the chamber, so to speak. So it's, I mean, you won't even say yes. You just around it saying that it is, but you won't even say you can't yes, have, You can't have too many young quarterbacks. You can't have too much quality <laughs> at the quarterback position. Yes. But is Drew Locke the starter in week one next year? Likely, yes. But you know what? Yeah, it's a lot it. easier. <laughs> it's a lot easier for me to go shopping for these items I, I've, I've talked about in terms of having another young guy that you're developing and seeing where he goes and then the Ryan Fitzpatrick type of backup quarterback, the veteran that you know can start for a few games, and uh, in case somehow Drew Locke fails to launch next year, you have an option, or if Drew Locke gets hurt, you have an option. But these are easier items to get than saying, oh, we've got to go out and spend 20 or $25 million on Teddy Bridgewater. You don't have to do that now. You don't have to go looking for <clears throat> Tom Brady, Zach. Let me just ask you this, because I respect – you sticking to your five-game sample size. Is there anything that could happen in game five to sway your feelings on Drew Locke? A Jameis Winston type of disaster. So it would have to be negative. So you're talking four picks, no touchdowns. Just a complete meltdown. Okay. All right. I will but if patient, it, we'll patiently if await. If it's another game... <laughs> Like this one, and, and you know, this is, or even another game like he had against the Chargers to start off. Although I think clearly he's advancing in the sort of things he can do compared to how simple it was against the Chargers. So if he has another game that's in the realm of this one, then Drew Locke is your starter for 2020. You're still cultivating depth beyond that, but you're going in every plan that you're making, and when you're talking to every free agent. In March, you're saying Drew Locke is the starting quarterback for the Broncos in 2020. We're going to see where he goes. I spoke with a Broncos source after the game, and I'm going to write about what uh, our conversation was, and uh, I highly recommend that you are, uh, wait for that one Ooh. to come out after we finish this podcast. Quite a tease. Uh, because there are some, uh, there are some exciting some exciting things that happened in that conversation. We're gonna have to pause this podcast for you to tell me. <laughs> yeah, I haven't even told you. I'm keeping. I'm, you better make sure you uh, your subscriptions Got that active. Subscription? <laughs> um, yeah, this is uh this is cool. This is a cool place to be for Broncos fans. I think even the skept- most skeptical of the skeptics have seen a four game sample size. Now that is one quarter of an NFL season, and is enough of a slice to say outliers are eliminated. And the funny thing here is we've got two outliers in the sample, right? You have the absolutely went off in Houston game and you have the terrible, uh, you know, whatever happened in Kansas city. When you take those out and you just mix in the two other games that we have and you just kind of average things out like that's okay. That's still much, much better than what they've had 
over the past four years. And when you do that, Ryan, you have to include that he's a rookie, and these are his first few games. Yep. His average, and average for a guy who's just making his debut is fine. And the other thing, you're paying him a rookie contract. The big problem for the Broncos in terms of their roster construction is that in 2018 and 2019, they paid not quite premium money, but good money for average quarterbacking. Bad. Sometimes average. bad quarterbacking. <laughs> if Drew, Drew Locke plays as he did against the Chargers, and today that's average, a little bit above average on the whole, and that's fine. You can build around that if you can get the rest of the team where you want it to be. And that's what, three touchdowns and one interception in those two games yep. where you're taking out his best game um, and his worst. But like that's really good. And here is the part that tips the whole thing over to Drew Locke's side. Forget the numbers. The team. The team believes in him. And they like him. They, they like to be around him. They, they support him, and they're having fun playing football with him. That, above everything, to me, is the most important thing. I think I've mentioned this a couple times before, but, like, they were trying to get into these other quarterbacks. You know, uh, Trevor Simeon was, like, forced into a captaincy, and Case Keenum and Joe Flacco, like, they wanted to like these guys. They tried to believe in them because you have no other choice when you're on a football team. Now, they truly believe in Drew Locke, and they truly like him, and they truly want to ride with him. In the words of Philip Lindsay after the game with a huge smile on his face, we love Drew. There you go. And but They haven't said that about any of the other guys. No, and, and a story coming out um, uh, that Philip Lindsay's been giving Drew Locke all this crap. Dalton Reisner's been giving Drew Locke all this crap, and we've known that that's how the Buzz Lightyear thing got going. You don't give crap to someone that you don't, you know, really respect that you're not okay with doing that too, especially of a quarterback. They respect this guy. They know he can take it. They know he's a guy. They know he's one of them. Well, he's their generation too. I think part of the totally. problem with uh, Joe Flacco is, in particular is that he was a poor fit for this team in terms of leadership style. And also you have a team that's getting younger, that's building a young core, and then you plug a 12-year veteran in. And if it's Peyton Manning, it's one thing. Peyton Manning, Aaron like Rodgers, right, Drew Brees, those types of guys are one thing. Joe Flacco, different personality, different level of success entirely. And because of that, it was a poor fit for where the Broncos were going to bring in Joe Flacco. And it was one of the things that I think it was wise to be skeptical about when they brought him in. Now you have a young core that is growing with a young quarterback. They're in harmony. And that was one of the things we, we were talking about when we were pounding the table for Drew to come in is, man, this team, once they bring in a young quarterback, it's going to enable the young players on this team to be the leaders of the team. And I think that's so important for this group. In the end, this is one of the youngest teams in the NFL. And to have this weird gap between the leadership and and the best players, which are mostly young guys, was odd to me. So once you could finally get Drew in there, I always felt like all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Philip Lindsay feels like a veteran on the team, right? Because the core, the ma the most important piece of the team is younger than him. And and Cortland Sutton feels like he's been around forever because Drew Locke's only been out there for four games. I feel like it changed the entire 
uh, dynamics of the leadership of this team, and I thought that was so important to the future. Maybe add some veterans to the leader, or young players, pardon me, the leadership council that is currently populated with a lot of six to nine and ten-year veterans. Yeah, yeah there's a, a chance start. that leadership council hasn't been talked to since like week two. So, Or maybe you're <laughs> talking to a different council. Maybe instead of being the council of elders, it is the council of the young. Maybe it's you know, <laughs> Philip Lindsay, Dalton Reisner, Cortland Sutton. It's called Vic Draymond and the Kids. Jones. And don't forget about uh, Bradley Chubb, yeah. another guy who is poised to be a leader on this team next season. Yep. All right, before we move on, shout out to Breckenridge Brewery. Uh, we were out at the tailgate earlier today, and we brought a ton, yep. a ton of Strawberry Sky, a ton of Colorado Core, and about an hour before game time, it was already crushed through. Everyone helped themselves. It was a great time, and um, the, the Breck Brews were crushed. Man, and those 19-ounce beers, those are perfect. Oh, Those are big, perfect yeah. by yeah. Breck Brew. Absolutely yep. perfect. Uh, and and shout out to everyone who stopped by the tailgate. We had an awesome time. Uh, Bobby Boucher yes. brought his whole family huge out here out from Arkansas. A, huge shout out to the Bobby Boucher family. Yes. Was he wearing a Boucher jersey? He was not, <laughs> but you can find those. Yeah, I saw someone when I was walking down to go uh, uh, shoot photos of my daughter performing with the junior cheerleaders at halftime someone was wearing a bobby boucher jersey on the concourse so you're talking about uh (laughs) our guy boucher from the podcast from the comment section i thought hmm did i walk past him and not recognize it but if he wasn't wearing the boucher jersey i saw a bobby boucher jersey and a ray finkel dolphins jersey today (laughs) oh ray finkel yes don't wear and this goes for broncos fans too if you're (laughs) at like a chargers 49ers game do not wear a broncos jersey no don't just wear like a just regular clothes you don't have to wear anything (laughs) else just wear just don't i i cannot stand when i go to there's a kid wearing a mahomes jersey in the stadium zone what are you doing man yeah representing no represent somewhere else go in chicago go to chicago tonight if you want to do that yeah (laughs) (laughs) you're gonna tell your kid don't wear that also, like, who goes to game? Why would you go to an NFL game that you don't have a rooting interest? Why'd you in? spend that money? Yeah, yeah. Why? Maybe it's just you want to see a game in person. There were a lot of cheap tickets out there today, and of course, the no-show count was what was it, ninety-four sixty-seven? Yep, I believe. So better than the last game. Yeah, we talked by about, about ten thousand. Ten thousand more people that came because of Drew Locke, right? Yes. I mean, I mean it's not like the opponent got better. Uh, ten thousand people became came because of Drew Locke. We always estimate fifty dollars per person on top of ticket costs. So Drew Locke made them five hundred grand today. It's not bad. That's nope. close to his base salary. And people probably uh, have a better time during wins. Might buy a few more beers. Oh, people hung around. Now the weather helped. Oh yeah. People weren't leaving earlier the way they were. Even in Drew Locke's first start, people bailed early because it was cold and miserable. And by the time you had the pass interference penalty that led to the game-winning field goal, I'd say the stadium was probably two-thirds empty at that point. But people lingered, enjoyed this game, enjoyed the weather, enjoyed a, a beautiful December Sunday in Colorado, and enjoyed hope, tw- enjoyed optimism. 26 points. Mm, 27 points, sorry. Yeah. That's, that's nice. That's got people feeling good. And another thing you can do if you want to feel good is check out the Green Solution, which has 17 Colorado locations and an express checkout to get you in and out as fast as possible. So get on your phone right now. Go to their website, mygreensolution.com. Order your flour, concentrates, edibles, and topicals online and head to the closest Green Solution for pickup. Make sure you use that magical code DNVR20 for 20% off your entire purchase. What about the other storylines that have kind of matriculated through this season? I want to start with Rich Scangarello. 
Uh, what did you think of his game today? And remember, we had kind of talked about that Drew Locke's five-game sample size was also going to be an important sample for Skanks. Drew Locke kind of, kind of said it indirectly after the game. He said, what do we have to lose? We might as well do these plays with Andrew Beck where he's pitching the ball. Uh, he said he's not. No, no one's playing scared right now. And Rich Gangrello isn't calling the game scared. And this should be a lesson. Look, even when you're fighting for something next year, don't be scared. Because when you're not scared and when you're not afraid to try things, that's when you go and put up 27 points. I know it was a bad Detroit Lions team, but still, they went out and did it. And Rich Joe Gangarello, Flacco just had a ma- migraine, though, <laughs> as you're saying that, and he doesn't know why. <laughs> if, if Rich Scangarello doesn't hold himself back, he can be just fine. And I think that's a really important thing. Remember, we've talked about this. People can learn. It's okay to learn. You're allowed to learn from your mistakes, especially when you're early on the job. And I think Skangs has learned throughout this year it's better to be more aggressive than not aggressive enough. Well, the other thing is this. like, Let's take that fourth and one call and compare it to third and one in Minneapolis last month where you're trying the tight end end around to Noah Fant, which is not what he does best. But that fourth and one call, even though there's some flim-flammery involved with it what is the end of the play it is the ball in philip Lindsay's hands yes so when you want to get one yard and you're set it you're setting up your most explosive back in space and oh by the way andrew beck for whatever reason is first down cash money he gets the ball he moves the <laughs> chains almost all the time so detroit actually crashes on beck which is perfect because it gave him the window to pitch it out to Phil and help Andrew Beck get that beautiful stat line of a rush for three yards, a reception for, I believe, one yard, a pass for six yards, a special teams tackle, and even though it's not in the stat line, key blocks on two rushing touchdowns. It's a great day for Andrew Beck. We're calling that the Andrew Beck hat trick. Yeah. Or Kind of like the Gordy Howe yeah, right. hat trick. I just, I just want the the clip of Andrew Mason saying Andrew Beck first down cash money. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he is. He moves the chains. You get the ball to him. Good, you, good things are going to happen. You're going to keep the drive going. I was a little disappointed that he didn't get a game ball. Right for just being the Swiss Army knife. Yes. Yeah. One because, for one for one as a passer in his career. Because the guys that got the game ball were even lower profile than Andrew Beck, if you can believe it or not. Well, two out of the three. Who are they? Patrick Morris, Jake Rogers, and Draymond Jones. Two sacks for Draymond Jones. Two and a, yeah, two and a half, right? Yeah, on a bum ankle. Yeah, a sprained ankle. <sighs> Guys, <laughs> it just, the the legend of Juwan James just keeps going. Uh, because I don't know if legend is the right <laughs> word. <laughs> After the game, Vic Fangio said Draymond could have had every single out not to play in this game, but he went and toughed it out. And to me, I'm, I'm just thinking, in the, back of, in the back of its mind right now, he's got to be thinking of Juwan James when, when he's saying how tough Draymond was to push through this, how much it meant to the team, and then, look, he goes out and gets two and a half sacks. Do you think in the euphoria of the win, though, he's thinking about throwing shade at Juwan James, or you think yes. he's just thinking about what kind of game that Draymond Jones had? Yes, because... Uh, Elijah Wilkinson had two holding penalties on the day and I was thinking it throughout the game like man it would be really nice to have that 13 million dollar right tackle out there and I guess this is a good opportunity to get into this a little bit I've never seen anything like this um, in football because 
I maybe even in sports, but mostly my work has been done in football. The players always have the back of the players. It's just the thing when it comes to money, whatever it comes to, they're always about guys protecting themselves, guys what's doing what's best for them and their families, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But that is not the case here. Yeah. In any way, shape, or form. And even players, if you read between the lines enough, are saying things like Vic Fangio said, oh, I could have any excuse not to play, but I got to be out there for my guys. And AKA Von Miller said that last week. Right. And there, whether you like it or not, toughness is something that is revered in locker rooms. And I know that in 2019, we don't like to hear about guys playing on injuries or wanting to go back in when they have a concussion. You know, it's a sensitive subject. Mm -hmm. The truth is that earns respect. And a perfect example of a guy who is earning respect right now is Noah Fant. And you remember, I think it was the Kansas City game. Was that the one where he had all the drops? Yeah. Thursday night football. He short-armed a ball when a safety was coming. And according to people I've talked to, he was – someone in the locker room said something to him, which is, hey, man, if you want to earn respect around here, you can't be doing that. You can't be short-arming balls because, you know, people are bearing down on you. And Noah Fant really took that to heart. And today he's out there with an ankle, a hip, a shoulder – (laughs) <laughs> and the flu. Yeah. And he's yep. playing football and going out there and trying to play for his teammates. And he didn't have a great game. But there's something to be said for earning the respect of your teammates. And I think maybe if John James had been here for four years and played and, you know, now all of a sudden this is coming up, they'd be different. But it's not. He's played, what, 50 snaps? 62? 62. He's played 62 snaps with these guys and he's in and out and you know he's and out and out and out and he's not practicing and how much is that per snap it's uh oh i did the math last week it's like a quarter of a million dollars nice work snap. if you can get it <laughs> great work if you can get it but it's it's created an odd situation here because he doesn't have the respect of the locker room i don't know how else to put it and He's around. He signed for three years, um, and the and the Broncos owe him a ton of money next year. And there's not an easy out of the contract. And all of a sudden, they're just put in a really awkward position. It'd be interesting to see what they end up doing with this because it's it. This is like a worst case scenario when you sign a free agent. It is. It. it this is a nightmare scenario because what can you do? Most of these times you can't do anything, but most of these times you never come to this, Ryan. It is such a weird spot, and Elijah Wilkinson was struggling today. And you are thinking, boy, if only you had your $13 million right tackle. Instead, you you come to a guy, Jake Rogers, and you know what? He holds his ground. He does great, so you feel happy for him. But then you think, boy, what if we had our $13 million tackle out here? What would that look like? We saw it for a half. It looked good. <laughs> the best offensive half of the season came with Jawan James at right tackle. Now, you had Drew Locke out there, and he's playing well, but I don't think it's a coincidence. I also don't think it's a coincidence that they're not putting him on IR because he's not playing. But he has to st- – here's the thing. When you're on IR, sometimes guys, when they're shut down for the year on IR, they kind of get lost and go go home and maybe do their own rehab for a bit. Keeping him on the 53 means you're staying around. Mm-hmm. You're not going anywhere. You're coming in here every day. And I think there it's that. And it's also the Broncos saying he's not going on injured reserve because he's not injured. Right. 
And I, I don't, I have no information on this, but I wouldn't necessarily be surprised if there was some sort of grievance that the Broncos could say, which is he's, he didn't live out the contract, which is that if you're healthy, you got to play football. You can't just not play. Um, I don't think they would win that because there was an injury originally, and there is a mental side to this. And, and I don't think we should completely disregard that. Sports are mental. Life is mental. There is a mental side to an injury, which is you got to trust it. And if you don't, there's a very good chance that you're going to get injured again. So I think it's important for us to note that. I think it's also important to, to note that I just don't – people aren't buying it. Yeah. It's not it's not resonating with people around here. And I just I, – I, I'll be curious to find out if the Broncos are going to try and do something to get themselves out of this. And, and on top of all of that, Ryan, you talked about some other guys. Noah Fant battling through injuries. Well, he's also bat- he also battled through the flu. Dalton Reisner battled through the flu, not just the, in the first half of this week, but last week he had the flu, played through it. Last week he practiced through it. Today he played the first half, and then Vic just said, you know, why he didn't play in the second half was – it was just too much. It got to him. But he he tried. He went out for six quarters, played with the flu. You know who else played with the flu? Drew Locke. Drew Locke, Drew Locke was out there after the game. He uh, he jokingly said, it's a blast having the flu. It, I love it. <laughs> and, and what was the question posed? What's it like to have the flu? <laughs> Drew, do you enjoy playing games with the flu? Oh, my God. Did, did you enjoy your Michael Jordan game? <laughs> who <laughs> <laughs> Who asked that? I wasn't what was in the, the room. actual question. I'm sorry. <laughs> that, it, there has to be a better wording than that because, as phrased, that's not the worst question I've ever, I've ever heard, but it's in the bottom five. <laughs> By the Do way, you enjoy having the flu? <laughs> for next Sunday, of course, Broncos are going to be at 225 as scheduled. Every game involving that last wild card spot in the AFC, every other game, is also at 225. Nice. So the Raiders. We'll take the field Sunday, still with a chance How about of going that? to the playoffs. The Broncos get to ruin the Raiders' hopes and dreams. They need the the Raiders need the Texans to beat the Titans. They need the Steelers to upset the Ravens, or the Ravens to upset the Ravens to beat the Steelers. Pardon me, mm. and they need the Colts to beat the Jaguars. What was the first one? They need the Texans to beat the Titans. Knock them back to eight and eight. Are the Texans playing for something? No. Mm. That's what's tough. Is that's two the, teams not playing that's for That's the one that could kind of mess it up. The Ravens are still fighting. Or do they have home field advantage? I think it's yes. the first time first ever time ever that, that they will have the one advantage. seed. So they, the one so they have nothing to play for either. Yep. So the Raiders. Well, then I love it that the Raiders won't know going into this game. So but, they'll still be trying. Yes, exactly. So it's not a matter of they're going to take the field at kickoff and they could be eliminated. No, the Raiders will officially still be in it on sun mm. on Sunday when they come into Denver and play that game. And John Gruden is going to be kicking himself because he <laughs> loved Drew yep. Locke. Yep, he did. He loved Drew Locke, and they had three or four yep. chances to take him before the Broncos. I think he's kicking himself more over the fact that they blew it to the Jaguars, though, last week. Well, that because that's should. the one like for them, they had some confounding losses, but that's the one where they're looking at and saying, "Why? And how I'm, did we? How how did we lose that game? Our last game in Oakland. How did we blow a lead against a crap team like the Jaguars?" And how about this message from Philip Lindsay about playing the Raiders next week in these circumstances? Phil said after the game, "They got to come to us, and our fans ain't no joke." Love it. And I love the fact that the Broncos have a chance to finish 4-1 and one 
under Drew Locke yep. and beat a team with everything on the line. Their rival, well, their former rival with everything on the line. <laughs> um, th- maybe that can help the rivalry come back, you know? They're going to Las Vegas next year, you know, kind of a new identity. They're trying to, you know, play out their last games as Oakland Raiders and and rally towards the playoffs. And they'll have this whole thing where they're going to win the Super Bowl in their last year as the Raiders. Should we just start calling them the Las Vegas Raiders now? Because they don't have any more home games. Well, just wait until the Broncos and the Oakland Raiders as eternal losers. They'll be 0-1. Right. How about that? Mm. <laughs> the Denver Broncos beat the Oakland Raiders in their last game. The next year, the Denver Broncos, same city, same fans, same everything, will play the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm, isn't it going to be awesome when the Broncos open on Monday Night Football in Las Vegas? Mm, yep. You think that the Broncos have enough juice to be chosen for that game? How about with Drew Locke? Yep. At, at halftime, who, who was the national analyst that at halftime said Drew Locke's the guy? It was uh, halftime of this game. Bill Coward. It was a bit, yep, Bill Coward said. So the, the, the national media is now starting to pick up on this Drew Locke guy. Oh, yeah. I mean, and people will be paying attention next week. So he has a chance to go and impress people more. But, I mean, there's nothing um, we, as, as we as media love in the offseason than talking about, like, team with young quarterback about to take the Potential. next step. Look at, yeah. I mean, the Browns, the Jets. <laughs> uh, who else did we do it with? Um, the Ravens? The Ravens. I mean, we just – the whole offseason this year was about like, oh, that team has their guy, they're going all in. Yep. And the Broncos are totally going to be part of that this year. Especially with John Elway leading it. Right, exactly. So, uh, I think there is – I mean, they love Broncos, Raiders, Monday Night Football. They do, and they've done it before. I I just so don't I know. I guess it'll probably – maybe Chiefs. Well, no. Chiefs, Raiders. Well, here's a like a sneaky possibility. Who do they play from – they play the NFC South. Do the Saints go to Vegas or? I don't know. Because mm, maybe if the Saints go to Vegas and then if the Saints don't win the Super Bowl, there's one that probably makes a lot of sense because right. you get you get a future Hall of Fame quarterback coming in for the opening game in Vegas. Teddy like Bridgewater? Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, I mean, a lot on the line. A lot on the line this next week. Um, what did you think of the defense today? Because I talked to a couple guys on the defense after the game who they weren't happy with the way they played. They were like, man, the offense really really took it, uh, took the reins for us today because we were just kind of out there. I think the term used to me was we were just out there picking up the scraps. Yeah, and they only allowed 10 points to the Lions offense. Right. But they allowed less than 200 yards. Right. Well, That's incredible to any team. I think the thing with the Lions is, and I'm going to be a little bit of Debbie Downer, that's a terrible team. Well, especially with that quarterback. Yes, I mean, there's no threat of anything, of of anything spectacular. You didn't, you know, you didn't have to play David Blau on us today. It's so funny. All of a sudden, I feel like I'm on the inside looking out instead of the outside looking in. Like that's what it looks like when you play a team whose quarterback is trash. Well, I think what's interesting also with the Lions is that this year and how the team has crumbled without Matthew Stafford. There were Lions fans who were a bit down on Stafford. And don't know what you got to I think on. they're rethinking all of that. Stafford, I actually made the comparison yesterday. Maybe he's their Archie Manning. Mm, a great scary. quarterback with a really bad franchise that is usually year to year a really bad team. And as they are learning, 
when you have a quarterback, you have a chance in every single game. Every weekend on Sunday, you think you have a chance to win. And they had chances to win. I mean, early in the season, they're going to Lambeau Field, and if not for a couple of phantom penalties, they're beating the Packers at Lambeau on Monday Night Football. So this was a, They nearly beat Remember the game, the game they played against the Chiefs? They, yep. went, they went tit for tat the entire game. That was one of the most fun games of the year. He looked at that game, even though the Lions lost, and thought, this might be a team on the rise. Yep. But then... They had the defense start struggling, and then Stafford goes down, and the whole thing just implodes. Well, and, and, and but at, so at least they can say, "Well, next year we get number nine back under center. We maybe we can pick up where we left off at midseason when we were when we were a competitive team." But even though they were playing David Blau, a terrible quarterback, their offense is bad. They still have some weapons, but it doesn't. They were still going up against an NFL team, held them to under two hundred yards, and held them to ten points. That obviously the kick, the punt return is not on them. That's as, you know, realistically, that's a fantastic game. Yeah. If you were to say, even going up against, I don't know, you're not, a, yeah. a terrible, you know, Buffalo Bills, Ryan's Buffalo Bills team. You're like, Buffalo yeah. Bills. Yeah, you're, you're not complaining about this, but I think, right. you know, it's just something that you kind of step back, take with a grain of salt and say, okay, this is what you're supposed to do to a bad football team. And that's what I was going to say. It's like, miss me with the, uh, this game doesn't count for Drew Locke because the Lions are trash. Who said doesn't count? No, no, no. I'm not saying you're saying that. Yeah. I'm saying I like, know, oh no, I know I did. I'm I, sure there are people out who there said that saying like, oh, it's just it, it, you know the Lions are trash, blah blah blah. You know, so are the Chargers. Here's the thing: the Broncos weren't beating those teams. Remember when the New York Giants waltzed in here with Andrew Mason and Zach Stevens as their <laughs> one and two wide receivers and waltzed all over the Broncos? I had a good game. Beat, that what was night. it? Twenty four to ten? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, Mace went off. And <laughs> it was some me and Evan Engram in Orleans Darkwa. Orleans Darkwa. <laughs> no one no one like Patrick Morris is a bigger name than Orleans Darkwa. <laughs> well, actually Orleans Darkwa is well no Patrick how I many O R L E A N S R K W A so twelve P A T R P A T R I C K. This is like me saying oh, the ABCs. Patrick Morris is a bigger name. <laughs> By one letter. <laughs> We're not getting into their middle names. I have no clue what they are. I bet Orleans Darqua has a sweet middle name. Unless it's like Bill. <laughs> maybe that he has a middle name like that. Or maybe Orleans is his middle name. Mm. And he has a conventional for U.S. English language first name. But <laughs> we, got, we did mention the punt return briefly. Clearly the bell is tolling for Tom McMahon. A special teams coordinator here. Or as Zach called him once, Tom McMahon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Too bad that wasn't a lot of You could see that developing when the punt was in the air. It wasn't a, it was a what, four point one eight second hang yep. time. So that it was doesn't a line cut it drive. in college. No. I mean Can't they get Shane Trapuca out here for a game next week and at least get Chris Trapuca, his father, you know, give him what he wants. The chance to see his son play for his father's team. I mean, you gotta let you gotta let Tom and his son ride out together. One yes. more game. Tom and his son Colby. Hey, four year plan. <laughs> four year plan. They'll just probably be doing it in different cities. What did that do to uh, Colby's uh, net punting average, by the oh, way? Oh God! Because you be had was a negative net on that. He could have helped himself out too. And by he, the he way, he yeah. could have made the tackle. By the way, didn't even get a yeah. finger on him. There have been seven punt returns for touchdowns so far this year. Five of them are belong to two teams. Three for Carolina, which gave up two 
today to Naheem Hines against the Colts, and then two for the Broncos. And the other 32 teams in the league, or 30 teams in the league, have two punt return touchdowns allowed. It's not that hard. I just... This is the most inexplicable thing about the Broncos this year. At first, it was how long they were waiting to play Drew Locke. And I talked to some guys in the locker room who were on our side uh, of that debate. (laughs) And I assume there's a lot of guys in the locker room who are on our side of this debate, which is how, how in the world has Colby Wadman survived this long as a, a bad NFL punter? Like, it was fine last year because you were kind of throwing a bad, uh, a, a bad deck of cards as the Marquette King thing didn't work out, even though there are some who would argue that it was the Broncos' fault that it didn't work out, including Marquette, Marquette King. Marquette King is the uh, guy leading that train. Um, <laughs> he says that he'll, one day the full story will come out. Um, but there, you, you kind of were in a, a tough position. What, you, what was out on the street was what you had available to you. And then they just kind of ignored it. They brought in McLovin for like a week. Oh, <laughs> my God. Justin Vogel. Yeah, and that's the, where the problem began. Where's the competition in the offseason? Why aren't you bringing in somebody to compete with a punter who was near the bottom of the league across the board? And that's where this thing kind of took a turn for the baffling for me. And let's see here. I think that, uh, by the way, that punt – that punt return, by the way, I think probably dropped him to uh, last. Not last, but I think he's uh, he's uh, either thirtieth or thirty first in net <laughs> okay, average well, right now. At least so, he's not last. No. If you're not but last, that you're also first, depends, right? Yeah. That's how the saying goes. <laughs> That's what Ricky Bobby said. <laughs> it's not the same. No, it. I mean, I believe we all should have somebody who believes in each of us the way that Tom McMahon believes in Colby Wadman. That's a wonderful thing. Shout out to my mom who was at the tailgate today. Uh, yes, Yay, absolutely. there you go. But it's just... Unbelievable. Uh, it's just... I can't... It's, it's terrible. It's, it's almost as if they were just so bad so quickly that they just didn't have the energy to fix the punter. They were just like, eh, whatever. It's they already the had the tryout, so, I mean... It, and actually, the Broncos have done this before. 12 years ago with Mike Shanahan... They went through three different punters in the last three games of the season. They had Todd Sauerbrunn. Well, Todd Sauerbrunn then got in an incident with a cab driver. So Sauerbrunn got Happens. cut. You remember Paul Ernst? Whom among us hasn't gotten into it with a, ca- a cab driver? <laughs> <laughs> then you had Paul Ernster, a draft pick a couple of years earlier, who had done some kickoffs and was the punter in 06 but didn't do well. And then they brought Sauerbrunn back. So they bring Ernster back for one game in San Diego. He shanks it, gets either cut. I think he got outright cut the week after, and they brought in, I believe it was Sam Palesco. So you would say he didn't earn his opportunity? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Paul's a good dude, but he just you know wasn't a consistent punter. And then they had Sam Palescu, who they brought in from, uh, uh, to I believe that was his name, to kick week 17. So it would not be out of the realm of possibility for the Broncos historically to bring in a new punter for week 17, especially since they've already here. Here's the deal. They've already had tryouts, right? There will probably be a couple of spots open because maybe you're going to put Gotsis on injured reserve, right? Yeah. Cause they haven't put him on IR yet. I have not. So you can keep Colby Wadman, but you can bring in his competition this week and thus get a jump on teams that will surely sign some of these punters to reserve future contracts. So just 
What? Bring in another guy this week. I say this. Keep let Col- him punt. Keep Colby Wadman. Let him get his seventeenth paycheck. I like the guy. As a yeah, person. but give him give him a week off and say we're gonna one the the guy who did the best at these tryouts a couple weeks back. We're gonna bring him in and we're gonna start with two punters on the off season roster and we're gonna look hard at the punters at the Shrine at the Senior Bowl at the Combine and there's a decent chance with the uh, bevy of picks that we have on day three that we're gonna pick one of these guys. Sure, maybe you do that. Bring a bring another guy in. I don't I don't care, but. Just don't punt next week. Just let let Drew Lock <laughs> go for it every go fourth. For it. You, you say Drew and Drew and Rich, you get four downs every single time. Can you? Im- I've always thought about that. If you could call offense, knowing that you had four downs every single time, no where you are. Yep. I think it would really, really. Is uh, that the next revolutionary part of the game? It's what Army does. Their their philosophy is that if they have fourth and two, or sometimes fourth and three, that they're always going for it. So they play call. First and second down, three yards. Believing fine. that they're going to have four shots to move the chains. Love yep. that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Um, it's interesting. Here's it my comes thing. from a service academy too, which is not exactly known for dynamic football. But in this regard, they're ahead of the curve. I am not interested in any punter on the street right now. It's the the time has come and gone for that. <laughs> I am strictly interested in punters in the draft. Take the best one. I don't care who it is. If you got to go in the early sixth round to take a punter and you end up with, you know, one of the better punters in the league, I'm good. Like, people might whine about it then. You've got, what, 10, 12 picks? How many do they have right now? Potentially 12. Potentially 12 picks. Put one in your pocket and say, we're using this on a punter. And put us all out of our misery of having to watch backspinning punts coming out of the Broncos' own end zone. You just just said a few things really quick, Ryan. You said punters. Mm -hmm. And you said whine. I connect the dots, or we go on Marquette King. Oh my God! <laughs> well, don't they don't they have a good wine culture in Australia? <laughs> oh, give me one of these Australian boomers. If Max Duffy from Kentucky elects to turn pro, he won the Ray Guy Award. I don't care that he's twenty six, twenty seven years old. Why would just, he not turn pro? Yeah, just <laughs> g- give me one of those Aussies that can kick the ever living crap out of the football. And be done with this. I'm sure we have a couple listeners who could do that. <laughs> Been playing Aussie rules out there. We know we have a following down there. Yep. Yes. Have we seen if Adam Gotsis can punt? I should ask him about that this week if he's in the locker <laughs> Probably room. not right now. Yeah. He probably can't punt right now. Uh, he but might he did, do a better did, job than Cole. <laughs> he did play Aussie rules, but he got too big for it. Right. Yeah. I'm just – I'm so I, – I can't watch – like, I, 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 I never want to have to talk about the punter. We have to talk about the punter like once a week at least on this podcast. Yep. Coaches don't either unless they're special teams coaches. Right. Yeah. We we don't want to talk about the punter anymore because we want to be smiling. And mm. we want to be showing off our pearly whites. And if you guys huh. want to be showing off those pearly whites, you got to make sure you check out Green Mountain Dental because our friends at Green Mountain Dental are giving away a free Sonicare when you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam. That's right. You simply have to take care of your teeth for Green Mountain Dental Group to hand over a free Sonicare. So check them out today online or call 303-988-0711 to schedule your appointment today. If you sauna care about your teeth, <laughs> you will do that. Uh, Mace, do we have any questions there on the we, Periscope? We got a few of them. We've had some trouble with the Periscope today. Apologize for that. Let's see. Uh, we got this one from NK underscore Geyer. Good to see at least two of you guys at the tailgate today. Sorry I couldn't make it. I got waylaid by an old coworker. 
Jim Sakamano. Oh, throwing him my, under the bus. My family <laughs> coming uh, to the game. So, you know, I can't quite do everything, although uh, I had some interesting Hall of Fame conversation with uh, Jim Sakamano. We'll probably get into that in the podcast over the next couple of days. You guys here. are both Hall of Famers in my eyes. Well, thank you. <laughs> uh, this one from Michael MCQ. Lock looking good, lads. Let's pray we can fix this O-line. Is the O-line priority number one yes. in the offseason, even ahead of, say, wide receiver two? Yes. Cornerback? Yep. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. Yeah, don't do this. And the reason you said it right there, wide receiver two. Whoever you get is going to be your wide receiver two unless you really, really, you know, hit hit a home run. Um, and, and there are guys out there who could probably come in and be your wide receiver one. Like the Zach um, Steven, Andrew Mason types. <clears throat> yes, yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, it worked on that stadium <laughs> once before. Um, but, man, you saw it. Drew Locke connected – with eight different receivers in the first half, he can spread the ball around. He is the defibrillator, as I call them, or as people correctly <laughs> corrected me, the Drew fibrillator. Oh yeah. I don't know how I missed it. Um, how did you miss? Are you I, okay? I, I, Do you have the flu? I've yeah, kind of. Um, he can revive people from the dead. <laughs> yep. Jeff Hireman's making catches. Deshaun Hamilton led the team in receptions and yards. Devontae Booker's out there. Devontae Booker exists. Um, <laughs> Garrett Bowles has only had one hold in four weeks. So while I am very um, – I really want them to get another weapon for him for my own personal excitement, uh, you're gonna, you just – you got to get – you got to fix this offensive line. They want to. I know they want to so bad roll forward with Garrett Bowles. You, I just don't think you can do it. I, I've – Every time you think he's out, he gets pulled back in. Yeah. To the bad habits. To he's lost in the sauce. Yeah. He's, he's just – I am I think – I worry that they may try to ride another year. I'm, I, I would not be surprised. But I'm ready just, to move on. But th- th- this is kind of a, an unfortunate hope angle that you take with this. Could they stick with Garrett Bowles, at least thinking that he's the guy in their mind, and say, we're still going to take a tackle in the first round, and we're still going to go spend big money in free agency because while we hope that Garrett Bowles is a guy, we have no idea about that right side. And between those three players, the guy that they pick up, Garrett Bowles and Juwan James, we hope that two of them work out. I it, think Is that yeah. kind of a positive way of looking at this, Potentially, that they will yeah. go for that? Potentially, but I think, first of all, are you, are you spending money to keep Connor McGovern? I am. Yes. Okay. I, I don't think you can o- open up another hole. That's the thing. So what I'm thinking is this. And I think Connor McGovern's agent knows that as well. Right. <laughs> Maybe you're thinking in another interior offensive lineman in the draft. Maybe it's free agency. But the way that you're probably starting to look at it now is saying, maybe this team doesn't go tackle in round one, but it goes tackle in round two, and perhaps again in round three. And saying, these guys, these are our planned bookend tackles for 2021. you got to have like a Dalton Reisner-esque prospect, though, where he's not quite a first-round grade and there's a chance he falls because... That should be your right tackle. Oh, I don't... I hate that going off in... Because you don't have free agency after the draft. And let's say that guy doesn't fall. And then, no... Offense, but, but there's then, enough, you're, then you're Jake Rogers. There's you know, enough the, the, depth. That's that, your plan. But there's enough depth at tackle this year in the draft that I think you can probably roll the dice there. And then 
and if something happens, like let's say Tristan Wirfs happens to fall to 12 or 14 or wherever you're picking, then no brainer. that's an easy choice. Yeah. Put his name on the card, run up. I saw, I saw a video of him doing a handstand, just like walking around <laughs> on his hands. I was like, wow, that's talk about a dancing bear. <laughs> but yeah, his the, body the, hasn't yeah. told him that he's, you know, 300 pounds. Right. I, that's <laughs> incredible to but me. The original question, yes. Yeah. O line. Yes. It, it has to You, it you have to make it the top priority. Don't Andrew luck him. Yeah. You got to protect Drew. Who has the worst shoes <laughs> that's today? The worst? I mean, I love Ryan's. Hmm. Let's say these puppies can last through anything. I've got the, uh, I don't even know what brand they are, but it's like a tennis shoe on the bottom. What brand are those? Echoes. Echo. Oh, yeah. I've seen those in the golf world. They're extremely comfortable. I don't think anyone has bad shoes. Yeah, no. I like them all. Okay. Aquaman says Mace <laughs> looks cold, but then he also says Mace does it better. <laughs> Mace does look cold. <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was going to be cold when I walked out to the parking lot after. That's why I brought this thing. So, <laughs> anyway, at least I'm not wearing a sweater like I was earlier today. And finally, yeah, at least this one—he's not wearing a sweater, Ryan. Got the shoes <laughs> okay. And finally, this one from Mister Freeze, because we unfortunately, with some of our uh, mishaps, we lost some of the questions on uh, Periscope today, and we apologize. Mister Freeze says, "Can we talk about how bad Phil's hands have been?" Yeah. <sighs> yeah. Um. Are you calling that a drop today? Yeah, it's a drop. Yeah, Ryan and I actually talked really? about that. Yeah. I, I thought it was out of his, a little bit out of his reach. It was a tough grab. I didn't put that onto my stack sheet as a drop. Ryan rightfully called it a little bit of the Kareem Jackson effect. Yeah, I thought that Drew floated it a little too much, and I think Phil just in his head was like, man, I've been looking at this ball for a while. <laughs> I hope no one's about to kill me. Yeah. And I think because of that, he just got – little bit tense i think he pulled him back just a little bit right like he had time to run underneath that ball he just kind of took a weird angle to it um i don't think phil has bad hands i do think he has a very small catch radius he's super compact he doesn't have long arms um he's you know it's just he's not a great receiving back for that reason um you got to get him the ball in a place where it's easy for him to catch it Um, almost almost like noah fant you have to (laughs) cater it like that not throwing shade at him, but, I mean, how many times has Noah Fant gone under a ball and made a catch this year? Yeah, I won. I think it was last week on fourth down. And it's if it's if you hit him in the right spot, he's going to catch it. And Even yeah. Drew Locke's pick last week, I thought Noah did a terrible job of reading it in the right. air. Right. And, yeah, I am worried about Phil because it wasn't just this game and maybe a drop, maybe a bad throw. Mace, what was the number that you threw out last week of – Running backs that have more than like 30 passes thrown their way or 20 passes thrown their way, he has the third highest drop percentage. Third highest drop percentage behind Derrick Henry and Todd Gurley. And this is 16, or that was that was 15 weeks in, but I'm sure today didn't help. I'm sure his drop rate just went up after that one. So this is almost a full year. If they if this counts as a drop, then he probably has the highest drop percentage in the NFL. Yeah, that's rough. Yeah. Among running backs. Uh, but it, you know who had a worse drop than that today? The guy who's supposed to be the best receiving back of the bunch, which is Devontae Booker. Oh, <laughs> that's a that's a drop. I'm not sure I'm calling Phil what Phil Lindsay had today a drop. Devontae Booker was a that was a drop. Everything about that play, protection, the throw was perfect. And even though Devontae Booker doesn't have separation, the ball is right there. Perfect. Pass. It's a it couldn't have been placed any better. All he has to do is catch that and he didn't and we might we might have seen a different game if that uh, i don't oh, i think if they if he catches that this they win this 34 to 
10. Yeah. That was my prediction before the game. Yeah. And speaking of predictions <laughs> before the game, we must tip our cap to Zachary Stevens Thank you. for Thank nailing you. his Thank prediction, 27-17. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Broncos, mm-hmm. for not kicking a field goal at the end and just taking a knee. And thank you guys for, for the love and support through this whole process. So you're thanking Philip Lindsay for getting that first down on third down because yes. then they probably – well, I don't know if they Maybe would've. you should be thanking Devontae Booker for dropping that pass. Oh, yeah. <laughs> because if he gets <laughs> yeah. that and it, the game has a different flow, maybe we're talking about – one of us. And you're thinking Colby Wadman. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm oh, thanking man. everyone for my correct prediction. Nailed it. And uh, speaking of giving credit to credit where it's due, Ryan, do you know who the uh, who called Deshaun Ham? Who the first person to call Deshaun Hamilton's touchdown was? I do. Who was it? Me. No, it wasn't. <laughs> Earlier this morning, Philip Lindsay told Deshaun. You're getting a touchdown today. Wow. You know who the second person to call his touchdown was? Me. You. Ryan was. It was uh, two plays. Actually, I called two plays in a row. Wouldn't it actually be the play caller who was second and then you were third? No, 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 no. Because I – well, no. Because I called. I said, Deshaun Hamilton is going to – is is gonna catch a touchdown right after this Philip Lindsay run? Philip Lindsay run. <laughs> Deshaun Hamilton touchdown. So you're yep. saying Skangs wasn't thinking two plays ahead? I don't know what he was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, right. it was a big run for Phil, so I don't know if they were gonna run. That was a goal line play that they called, because Phil got it all the way down to like the three or whatever. I don't think they were gonna call that play before that Phil run. I love that they're putting the ball in Drew's hands at the three. Yep. I, I mean. The first, I think I've talked about this before. The first time I noticed a team doing that sort of stuff was Mike Shanahan with Jay Cutler. He was fine with going shotgun down on, in the red zone, and he liked to throw the ball down on, down in the red zone. I don't know why there's this fascination with running the ball when it's like first and goal from the 10. I think running the ball is idiotic there. <laughs> um, but there, there's like this old school, just like you got to run the ball when you get down there. That's just where, you know, you got to just – out nasty the other team you know when it's not idiotic mismatch you know when you when running the ball at the 10 first and goal at the 10 works if you can draw if you can yeah if you can spread them out if you can go you know move your tight end out wide you can go three wide with that and you get and you basically clear up the box get the linebackers out and then you're setting up one-on-one blocks you do that then a run is a good call you got to get but a traditional hand you know handoff out of the eye formation drives me nuts. doesn't do anything there i don't i just running i don't know like even like short yardage i, I hate when i see teams run it on fourth and one just like right up the middle get creative get creative like a handoff to andrew beck who pitches yes. it out to philip Lindsay. at least you're getting the ball to the guy who is best qualified to do it on that yeah, type beck. of on that philip <laughs> Lindsay. but andrew beck moves the chains too but when you've got fourth and one i don't want to see a tight end or a receiver end around. You you want something that gets the ball to the guy in the backfield as the best shot. So it's either Phil in that case Philip Lindsay or a quarterback sneak with Drew Lock. Yeah, just get it to the guy whose nickname is fourth down, first down. I cash just don't money. want a cash slow. Money back. The, the other thing is I don't want a slow developing play. And yeah. the problem with like a, a standard eye formation handoff is it might take a while to develop. At least that, you've got Drew getting the ball out quickly and then Beck making a quick decision. It's a quick developing play compared to some of these run plays. So yeah. I was okay with that. All right, third and 16 for the Chiefs. Do they get it? Absolutely. They got on third and 18 last time. They're going to get it for there sure. There we go. Patrick Mahomes in the gun. Got, what, four wide. Calls out the protections. Gets the snap. He steps Plenty up. Plenty of time. Rolling around. Toss. Oh, oh wow. sure. They're going to go for it. 
That's the like the, that's gonna be what wins. fourth and one, fourth and two. <laughs> um, yeah, but it was close. And maybe they're playing four down ball as well. I have Probably. a scenario for you guys. Mm-hmm. For the Raiders to make the playoffs, they need the Ravens to beat the Steelers, the Texans to beat the Titans, then the Colts to beat the Jaguars, as well as them beating the Broncos. Do the Raiders make the playoffs next No, week? they're not beating the Broncos. Mm, I no, like it. I don't even You don't even want to you don't even have to look at where the other teams don't really matter next week. No, the Broncos are going to win that game. The Broncos are going to play inspired football on Sunday. Mark my words. The Raiders, they were playing inspired football today. Yeah, yeah, they went in there and took it to them. Yeah. What was the final? What was it? 30 something to Yeah, they beat them they beat them good. It was a home game for them though in yep. Los Angeles. And that won't be happening next week. No, no, no. no. There's no way that uh, Raider fans are going to come take over the stadium. Although there'll be plenty of tickets if they want to, I just don't think they will. Over under 9,400 no-shows next week. I think it'll be about the same because the weather may be a bit cooler. Yeah, but it is the Raiders. I think a lot of people before the season when they're picking out games will say, okay, you know, where do I want to go? Oh, Broncos, Raiders, and Week 17, there could be a lot on the line there. I'm going to take that game. So I think people probably picked this out as their game before the season. 24-17 Raiders today. Okay, so a little closer. Is good. So who makes the playoffs then? That last spot goes to blank. Who is fighting for it? The Titans, the Raiders, and the Colts, and the Steelers. Um. Two teams are playing games that teams that don't matter. The ba- uh, right, that's the thing. The tight the Texans are locked in so to their seed. The, the Ravens. Who has are lo- the best chance? Who? If there, the Titans, someone's got to be winning. If in, the Titans win, they're, they're in. It's them. Because that was the whole thing of this week that this game meant nothing to them so against weird. the Saints yes. because they needed a Steelers loss at some point. Yep. And they got it today. So now the Titans are the winning in team, even though. It's at Houston. I can't imagine Houston plays all of its starters. I could see Deshaun Watson going maybe a quarter, quarter and a half. I think the Titans end up getting in. And you know what? I'd rather see the Titans get in than the other teams anyway. I think they're the most dangerous of those teams they're getting playing in the, the postseason. I mean, they even they were playing the Steelers or the uh, Saints really well today. Yeah, the Broncos are going to nearly pull off the semi-perfect season. Before the season started, yep. we said, you know, obviously winning the Super Bowl is the ideal season. And in terms of the very long-term view, well, we we said if if they're not going to make the playoffs, they're not going to make the playoffs. Going three and eight before Drew Locke, then having Drew Locke come in and go five and zero, oh, you finish eight and eight. Every other scenario of finishing eight and eight, you feel awful about. This one, you feel fantastic about. They're very close, and I predict them to go four and one. And you can write that one. You, you can write it however you want, but you could blame it on the snow. Maybe my first four what if one. should be, what if Drew Locke doesn't get hurt in the preseason? Right now, Mace, they're on pace to be a 12-4 and four football team this year if he had played the whole season. Would Drew Locke have come? How loud would the Drew Locke calls have been in week four? Loud, early, and often. Yeah. That would have been interesting. How oh and four or in week five? They're zero yeah. and four with Joe Flacco. They've what was the chance they had like a zero or no team mm. had ever done it right? No team had ever gone zero and four and made the playoffs. Uh, the Chargers did in ninety two. Okay, so it was like a, a less than one percent chance. Yes. I mean, the Drew Lock, especially if he would he he missed two preseason games. If he had balled out in those two preseason games and he was trending up in the preseason, whew, would have been interesting. 
Yep, it certainly would have been. This team could have been playing for the playoffs in Week 17. Wouldn't that have been exciting? <laughs> I, th- I guess the uh, Chiefs went for it on fourth down and Because gone. I would say this. I think if Drew Locke had somehow gotten in there sooner, I think the Colts game would have had a different result. There's a few and out I there. I think the Vikings game would have had a different result. And I spoke with a player in the locker room who had some interesting thoughts on this very topic, so I encourage you to read that <laughs> later. Uh, and I think that does wrap it up for us here on the DNVR Broncos podcast. Sorry about the technical difficulties. We hope you stuck with us on the second Periscope. Uh, and we wish you a Merry Lockmas and a Happy Drew Year. <laughs> we out. It's South Metro area and have been looking for top-notch customer service, extensive beer, wine, and spirit selections, and unbeatable prices, look no further than Davidson's Beer, Wine, and Spirits. You won't find a more varied inventory anywhere else. Don't just take it from me, guys. This is Michael, and he's been shopping at Davidson's since they opened. The thing I like about Davidson's versus the competitors, it has a larger selection. And if I am going to buy spirit, then Davidson's is usually my first choice as well because just of the size of the selection. I also like the uh, extensive selection of some uh, hard-to-find items. But that's not all. Every department is staffed with highly trained specialists who can help you find exactly what you're looking for. I've always found the folks that you chat with to be knowledgeable. I've chatted with the spirit staff about different bourbons and different vodkas, and I am always chatting with the wine staff about different things and saying, I like this, what else do you have that's similar? Particularly when I go to non-U.S. wines, I find them extremely helpful in helping me find something I'm looking for. What are you waiting for? Head to either of their locations in Centennial or Highlands Ranch and follow them on Facebook to stay up to date on their latest specials.